the pandemic and uh, mental health taught me one thing that I need to be part of a solution. If I can help one person, like affect them so they can lead a happier, healthier life, then it's all been worth it. Hello, welcome everybody to Jukebox <laughs> Jacks episode three. This is the rescheduled one. Tony's kindly taken time out yet again, but this time it's been a, uh, a monumental mess up from start to finish. This is, I believe, is the third time we've tried recording this now. Uh, we've got a good yeah. 15, 20 minutes into and we're in a nice flow of conversation and I glanced uh, glanced up and saw there were no recording up at the top. So uh, yeah, I'd not hit record. But uh, we'll try and we'll try and go back over everything. We'll see. we'll see if we do if we have a different conversation each time because I know yeah. so far <laughs> the conversation was very different to the way it started off last time. We'll see. We'll see how much we've got in us, how much uh, bullshit we've got. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, how are you guys doing over there? COVID. <laughs> um, well. Uh. We have been doing all right. We have been doing all right. We've had some uh, some lockdown stuff this last couple of weeks. Um, we just, just come off back of, um, as of midnight tonight, COVID um, can, is no longer, like, scared of masks. So <laughs> there's no point wearing a mask. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't have to wear masks as of midnight tonight. That's been in place for, like, like a week um, after a few little um quarantine issues that kind of that you know one guy um caught it airborne through um air conditioning and stuff so that that locks us down for three days and then um after that we've had a, a few little things but we're talking one person here and there we're not not big numbers man like not you know people aren't dying anymore and um We've not really had much of that. I don't know what the numbers are, to be honest. I think the numbers of like of infected, uh, which sounds super like when you call them the infected, it's like <laughs> all of it's twenty-eight days later. It? But, Very much. Um, yeah. Where's Robert well, Carlyle? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're um, we're in the uh, like nine hundreds, I think, since the start of it. And this is just like infected and you know, reported. So the numbers are very small. Mm. They're small. So we, um, I mean, but we are an island though. And closing our borders is pretty easy. And we actually did it. No, uh, none of this Boris bullshit. I'm going to say, what the just fuck? Like, Boris, I, 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 I very much doubt it. Like, because I'll be too busy fucking buying new wallpaper. But it'd be nice if you listened to this episode and that specific bit. It's like Australia's an island, you know, Boris. You know, as in like United Kingdom's an island. Why is it so difficult for us to close shit down, stop fucking yeah. people coming in? Yeah. And I mean, it, it can go too far. It can go too far. Like, at the minute, um, <laughs> This, this this sweeping statement of no one's allowed to come into Australia from India. There's a butt-ton of Australian citizens in India and they can't come home now. Like, how can you... How, how can a country say, all right, you're Australian? <laughs> oh, well, too much COVID in India. You're stuck. Yeah, you are, you are a citizen of this country but you can't come here. It's like, all right, 
I understand that there's some serious issues here, but what we need to do is sort out quarantine and make quarantine work, not lock people out of their country. Yeah, exactly. Like, fucked. You can't do that. And because of the state that India's in, like, imagine the amount of people that are, you know, Australians, they've got family um, back in India. People are dying, man, like all the time. So someone goes, you know, they, they figure it out, they get an exemption or whatever, however they do it, they get over there to go to a funeral. And then old Scotty from marketing's just like, no, you can't, you can't come in. You can't come back. Why not? Oh, because I'm trying to show that I'm a badass. So people so yeah. they, they kind of run in and they'll back me. And you're like, oh, Scotty. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know this Scotty, but he sounds like a dick, to be fair. It must be related to Our um, Prime Minister is called Scott Morrison. That's the one. He came yeah. up as a, the, the marketing pro. Horses <laughs> people are shaking. Straight up, mate. It's, it's bad. It's, it's um, bad. Aussie politics is weird, mate. It's interesting that you actually you brought that up about the air conditioning, because obviously... I hear it over here where the the one you just starting to talk about it, but I, the bigger scheme of things, places like Australia, America, where it's part and parcel inside your house to have an air conditioning unit. Obviously, in UK, all we're bothered about yep. is heating because it's fucking cold all the rest of the time. Yep. So we don't entertain yep. them factors, and we only really think about it for restaurants, nightclubs, like you said. But as it stands at minute, they're not back open until as it's stating seventeen for May. Um, so for you guys, yeah, living in like your homes, obviously with aircon and stuff, I, I can see how that's like kind of up in air still. I mean, you, you're so lucky, like you said, for the number of cases, the fact that you guys and New Zealand have had your shit together from the start just sort of fucking reflects yeah. number of cases as low as they are, infection rate, even that, like you said, the, the one person, the fact that one person caused that chain of events for you, you know, yeah. the entire fucking nation now wearing masks again but it's, it's that sort of response and that's why you guys are, are now coming on the other side of it like you won't believe how much I was smiling when I was seeing your posts for obviously dying degree of your, you know your gigs and stuff like that I was like it, it still feels forever away for us over here no gigs inside everybody's rescheduling stuff and we're all excited at the possibility of but the one coming up for yeah. us um, the big one obviously Slam Dunk Festival it rescheduled it originally, didn't. Um, obviously, go ahead when they rescheduled it originally, but they've penciled it in for September now. That's still up in air. We still don't know what's going on with that. We're all hoping by September, because you're talking people like our age range for in UK will have had vaccines and stuff. So if I've had like, yeah. vaccines, and I'm, and I'm assuming off the top of my head, come September, it'll probably be the same thing. Those people that are going on that day, They'll just have to have provided evidence that they've tested negative or whatever. But it's open air. It's it's middle of Temple yeah, yeah. Uh, Temple Newsom. It used to be Leeds yeah. City Centre, but Temple Newsom yeah. now. So then it's like open air festivals. You're at no more risk really than if you go in fucking no, shopping. Then it's, it touch points, I suppose. Then, but mm. it's funny because it, it, initially it were all about touch points. Yeah, and then and then. You know, this, oh, you should wear masks. 
people kick off about masks and they're like, oh, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not a sheep. Like, sheep don't let the sheep don't wear masks, dickhead. What the fuck are you talking about? Have you seen a sheep? Tell um, uh, tell us that story about that well, guy. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depends. I mean, I don't know how, how excited I'll get about it this time because I was straight from the shop then. But yeah, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about this silly old conjure. <laughs> so um, last week, a week today, a week ago today, when we when we sat down for this, on my way, like coming home, I stopped at a bottle shop to get a bottle of wine. Um, and I'm in there. And mask on, old bloke walks in, in his 60s, used car salesman, just written all over him, pulls up in his, in his Merc, comes in with his nose out of his, of his mask. So I look at him and you know what it's like? like do you get it though? Like when you're in the supermarket or whatever and you see somebody with a nose out and for some reason, if his nose is poking out, it just makes you want to break it. <laughs> like, I'm not an angry person, but why does it? Why is it so? Like, it's so offensive. Like, <laughs> mate, just do it. <laughs> so I looked at him and thought, "Well, you did it," but I, I, you know, I don't say anything because at that point, what's the point? But yeah, the young lad in shops just like, "Now, can you, um, can you?" Uh, Sorry, sir, can you can you lift over your nose? And he's like, I'm carrying something, and like well, he's like, well, can you put it down? No, I'm 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 carrying. I can't, can't you see? I'm I'm carrying it. He's like, well, can you put it down before you do? And straight up, he's like, nah, 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 nah. And I'm looking at him, thinking, what? What's his problem? And he's kicking off, and he's like, muttering over, so puts his stuff down. A young lad, fair play to him. Because, yeah, he, he's like 19, 20, and he's going toe-to-toe with this, you know, 60-odd-year-old 60 bloke. <laughs> big bloke, though. Not, you know, not a doddering old bloke. He's like big bloke. Um, you know the sort in his, you know, his... Yeah, he were, uh, yeah. He, he were, you could tell yeah, in, in, in his younger days, he were Aussie rules, one of them ones, proper jock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, not bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and he's like, "What's the problem?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I'm in, I'm in charge. This is, this is my, I, I ha- I'm in charge of the safety, of my customers, and I just need you to." He's kicking off, and I'm just looking at him, thinking, "What on earth is wrong with this bloke?" And I'm looking at him with my mask on as well. And for some reason, you, you think that if they can't see you, it's like wearing sunglasses. <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and then I realise I'm looking straight at him and I'm like I'm not wearing sunglasses <laughs> I'm like Jesus Christ anyway it went something like that I was a bit worked up when I was talking about it last week so probably yeah yeah up. man it, yeah all that we said last time it, after obviously he'd said that was just it was both of us have got the same mindset it's like I'm not a scientist or whatever but what they're telling me is if I just stick a mask on, I can pretty much go about my life like I once did prior to all this shit. So yeah, I want to do that. So it's not my place to disagree with it. They're saying if this is what you wanted to, to do to be able to do it, just stick a mask on. Okay, I'll stick a mask on. I don't give a fuck. 
I've took a mask on for a week. I don't care. Yeah, yeah that were it. Like you got, excuse me. Um, I wonder how many people out there now are like raiding the fridges. They're like, oh, good idea. Let's have a drink. Cheers, everybody. Um, you just, it's that thing of if that's what you've got, that's what you choose to rebel against, right? Then what is going on in your life? Like, <laughs> that's all you've got life. to worry about. Like, Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna rebel. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it as I'm told. I'm gonna put a mask on, but I'm gonna stick my nose over it. You prick. <laughs> like, there's so much stuff going on that if you feel like you really wanna say something and you wanna do something, then go out and do it. But you sticking your nose out like a doddering old bloke, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> like, you're not. You're not achieving anything but making yourself look like a prick and stopping me get my wine quicker. Like, and it takes longer for whatever that is that they try to do anyway. Yeah. It's like if you did, they, they just pulled it up, it took two seconds, and now he's stood there yeah. arguing for as long as, as he is for yeah. nothing. No, making I get you. Oh. Um, yeah, that at the fucking 12th time I was attempting it we've got COVID out of the way let's move on more important things um, let's give uh, let's go down uh, history lane let's give people a bit of history how we first uh, we first met so um, I I'd finished college 2003 and then I saw an advertisement that uh, Cineworld cinemas were going to be opening up uh, one at the Escape Leisure Complex I'd only ever been to Wakefield one before. And before that, I think I went, I think first time I ever went to a cinema or to the ABC in Wakefield to watch Independence Day and then came out looking for aliens like you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then I, I just applied. Um, I think it was Cash Job Centre that were doing interviews and it was Hassan that were there. Um, did interview. Yeah, and then, just uh, saw Cash. He, he was, yeah. Well, that, that guy was just casual anyway. I mean, he always thought he was Will Smith. Love him to bits, but... And he hates it when I say it to him. He's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. He's like, shut up. Shut up, mate. <laughs> um, and then we all got invited to um, Parkside Hotel, which obviously, for those people that's yeah. local to area, opposite Pontefract Racecourse. It's, it's demolished now. There's no real light, but that... I mean, everything about it from working at Cineworld, like it's, it's to this point, obviously going into mental health nursing, it's been my favourite job ever. And even the recruitment process, it was so fun going into that Parkside Hotel, meeting people like Blaise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? I, I was thinking about this the other day because um, obviously we'd rescheduled this and we'd had a bit of a chat about it before. So... I started thinking about it a bit more and why it mattered and stuff. Because from there, I ended up working at Nando's for a while, and Nando's are good at it. They're, they're good at um, like building a culture. But they focus so much on building a culture that for me, it felt really, really fake. And I couldn't... People really got into it, and that was awesome for them. But for me, I, I, it just seemed so just contrived, and I, I just... I could for our restaurant. We had an amazing culture, but I just couldn't, it wouldn't work outside that, like the wider. Yeah. Um, 
And because of that, and because they tried to push it so much, it only went so far. Do you know what I mean? As far as kind of friendships go, we had fun, but as far as friendships go, it didn't go any like outside that. But for us, it was just this culture that we built because we were there from the start. And we did this whole thing, you know, where we, and we, it, it was like being back at school because we're there and we're all on tables and we're learning and we're listening and like, and we're doing like role play bullshit. And then you get like excursion day because they get a bus in and you get a bus to Bradford and you're like, yeah, I'm going to Bradford. <laughs> I've never been to Bradford. Why would I go to Bradford? I don't know what's in Bradford, but I know there's a cine world there and we're going to go there and we're going to get abused. So, we, so yeah, so you go on a, on a day out doing a shift in Bradford like all together and then like coming back on the bus like you've got like everybody you suddenly start to see people's quirks and they and just fucking tammy screaming and shouting and just like <laughs> we could always hear her before we saw her <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the one that yeah when when we first started there were so many like characters who obviously they, they didn't for various reasons you know whether they found other jobs and stuff like that whether they were studying at time and they went on to get you know better profession jobs and stuff but there were individuals there that didn't stand the test of time, but who I still think about to say people like Lee Allen. Yeah. Oh, funnily yeah. enough, we, we went on the obviously we're starting on Cineworld. Um, coincidentally, it's Lee Stones' birthday today, he turns the big 4 0. Why haven't I seen that? It literally, it literally popped up, so I, I, yeah, I put some sort of like side joke about one because he it, it used to stay at me out. A lot of people used to stay at my house when we all went out on piss, but he were talking to me in depth one night about something. He were in like my brother's bed, I were in my bed, and he were just drunkenly <laughs> talking to me as we, after we'd been out. And you know when someone yeah, dozes yeah. off mid conversation, but the last part yeah. of the conversation makes no fucking sense. <laughs> We'd been talking about a pub in Wakefield called the Vine Tree, I think it was called. But he'd also been talking to me about pro wrestling. He'd been talking to me about WWE. And he's at the end of his sentence ended. And, and imagine, look on my face, because I'm still wide awake at this point. I'm like looking up at ceiling. He's talking away. And all, and all I heard is, and then Triple H pedigreed him in Vine Tree in Wakey. And then he snored instantly <laughs> straight after and i'm just like i'm sat there i'm like what the actual fuck did you just say <laughs> and that shit like that just to this day i could be making a fucking coffee in kitchen and i'll just start giggling about stuff like that because that's how impactful all them relationships were on me personally when i were there it's don't get me wrong life takes over don't it with you know you don't live in each oh, other's pockets and stuff like that but for those people that's listening to this you know that worked at Cine World with us, just know that don't matter how low you get and you've got shit going off, like you had an impact on my life. And I do from day to day think about the people who I worked with. Uh, yeah, people like that. I just wanted to say that because I, I couldn't even reel off all the names because <laughs> there's so many, even the people I didn't necessarily get on with at that time. Like I, I do appreciate them like now as I've got yeah. older. Yeah, it's funny. I'll get a a friend request every now and again and I'll look and I think who's this <laughs> and I get a lot anyway but if they if if I can see that they've got uh if I can see they're in a band or I can see that they go and see a lot of bands then I just assume that it's somebody 
you know, yeah, just yep. a music thing. So like, that's all good. But I'll see somebody who's from Wakey or Cass, and I'm like, who's this? <laughs> you well, get, I'll say, kind of like, and then I'll look like, the pictures. <laughs> yeah, look through the pictures, and I'll start to think, ah, oh, it's that person. And but my heads changed their name. <laughs> yeah, in my head they've got a different. Yeah, they've got somebody else's name, and and actually who they were is all just crossover, but. Yeah, the, there's there's one person's name that always stays with me, and that's Jeffrey, good old Jeff, or Bungle, or everything else that we called him. Yeah. Were like they literally just he sounded literally like Perry, didn't he, Kevin and Perry? Okay, Miss Parson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, bubbles from Taylor Park Boys. Yeah, it would just yeah, like you say. It, I think it's because we were like you rightfully said we were the first staff there so we kind of no one intended it but we created the culture but as far as i'm aware because yeah. i spoke to people up until most recent lockdowns who had worked at cineworld or had recently left cineworld and they said the culture was still relatively still the same thing from how we were there so it, it was nice to know in that respect that you could just fucking walk back in there start working there and, and nothing had changed mm. and it yeah. These lifelong things for me. Obviously, I met I met Nikki there when we had kids. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have my kids if it weren't for working at Cineworld. Yeah, yeah. So is is there anybody still there? Not is Sam still there? No, no, no. Now, I'll be honest. I when I started in 2013, I started working at White Rose Shopping Centre doing um, like security management and stuff. Um, and there were a conference room booked out one day, and it were around the time when Cineworld had unofficially signed the contract with Land Securities, who own uh, White Rose Shopping Centre, and it were kind of hush hush. So I were in one of the boardroom meetings, like because every. The culture at White Rose Shopping Centre with the management team was you have a meeting about having a meeting, like there's fucking meeting about yeah. everything. So we sat there every day and we're doing like a morning meeting, what's coming up, what's the business schedule for the day, what we need to get done. And they were showing me plans for the new extension we were having done and they didn't put any names on it. Well, they specifically left the name of the cinema off, but they stuck the fucking italic Cineworld star, expecting me not to know what the fuck that was. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, Cineworld then. And they all just looked at me and they're like, who told you that? No one told me that. You all know the my resume. Logo. I've come from Cineworld. I'd know that fucking logo anywhere. <laughs> so they were like, oh, shit, yeah. And then like two weeks later, I was coming across Food Court. And um, I, I saw a few suits and stuff like that, but instantly saw a San, instantly. And then it was just it was just weird from the moment we both clocked eyes at each other, we were walking about hundred feet away from each other, and we <laughs> just kept eye contact the entire time, just smirking. And they were just sort of like, "Hey, motherfucker!" <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Well, <laughs> I was going to ask what you were doing here, because but obviously." And they were like, "Wait, how do you know?" And I'm like, went through story with him, and they were like, "Ah," they were like, "Yeah." And I mean, I've not seen him since since that day, but he'd not aged one bit. He'd, he'd lost more hair. He didn't yeah. have that silly little fringe thing going on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, pretty much, I think he's pretty much got a fully grown up family now because, yeah, back then, I think yeah, his, was, his, yeah. his kids would have been quite young, not overly, like 
past toddlers, like five, six or something like that. So yeah, it's been it's been coming up to what, ten years since then. So yeah, they'll be fully grown up and stuff. But just like oh, I always whenever I have these conversations, I try and hashtag the certain topics we've had. So obviously when I were doing one with Smeg, I hashtagged Cineworld. So if for whatever reason it, it manages to call, come full circle, this uh, this whole episode we're doing, I hope uh, Asan catches it as well. So even Tim Trayford, Tim Trayford, I appreciate you, even though you thought you were Will, uh, you were, what, 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 Hugh Grant, that were it. That's what I used to call him. <laughs> we got along in Yeah, yeah. I, I clashed with Tim a lot uh, when he first so came over. It, it was a bit of a, anyone, I think we're both in the same boat now. We've worked them sort of professions. I understand why we were a stiffler and he would just yeah. very much bite it. If that wasn't the rules, you just didn't do it. And he just, yeah. but then now looking at it from his perspective, it was like, he actually just wanted to do the bare minimum, but we were so even against doing the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. So no, we'll do bare minimum our way. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's spinning around 50 times on a chair and then try to run down a corridor. <laughs> Well, falling into booster cool. seats. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some of the some of the stuff that we got up to at Cineworld, we we can't obviously we can't manage to talk about without going uh, going on about the epic um, biopic movie that um, you and Mark Falkingham uh, came up with. So yeah, tell us uh, tell the story about that. <clears throat> it was what a twenty five minute movie that took us about a year to make <laughs> <laughs> on mostly well not actually mostly but quite often on cine world time on salary time um yeah. that yeah we uh we made a a batman and robin film so one of the managers cat um she'd been around well she she came to us she was at waking and came to us but she just slotted straight in and everyone's best mate and then she was moving to Scotland so we Mark and I had a bit of a conversation we decided yeah what we're going to do is we're going to make her a film and she'd been gone about a year before we actually got it to her and then she came back but we um yeah <laughs> it, it was so impactful she actually returned I think she was yeah. hoping for a sequel I think that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> um so Mark and me and well me and Batman Mark as Robin running around on top of my suit, <laughs> my work suit, um, running around sometimes when the place are open, doing shots and just squeezing in, just, just squeezing in shots whenever we could, like yeah. grabbing 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, suiting up for the whole thing to do 10 minutes of a take and then Matt pick up or balls it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In background, so we're gonna do it again, but we've got a film going in. So Mark's gotta run upstairs, dress like Robin, put a film on, lace it up, start it off, dress like Robin, come downstairs, and then he's back and he's knackered, and he's like, All right, let's do it. <laughs> and then we do another scene, and then we finish work, and then um, and then we've got you know biggest unit in escape, so we've got access to all the plant rooms. So we uh, you know, 2 a.m. After we close, we're like, all right, who's up for it? Like, yeah, yeah, cool. Sweet. So I'm Batman. Um, Mark's Robin. You lot are all wearing beanies and T-shirts that are inside out because apparently that's what evil henchmen wear. We're like, cool, let's go have a battle upstairs. 
Don't let you have a ridiculous battle. And then we'll, we'll I just remember. There's a, just I, I'm glad you're having flashbacks because I've got constant flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> go on, I'll let you go first and I'll tell out. you mine. And there's, so there's me and Mark up front, like battling henchmen and stuff. And there's a bit going on. <laughs> and we told Mark, pick up, don't look at the camera. You are fighting if you're approached, you swing a punch. <laughs> Always doing something. So, I just remember this outtake of whoever we're holding camera just trying to stop. <laughs> and this Mark in the background going. So I think Mark's just like, no, nah, cut. And Mark <laughs> pick up just goes, am I doing it right? <laughs> looking straight at the camera. And it just had me, I would just increase I did, um, I, I did have two yeah. flashbacks and I'll, I'll come on to them. But because of that example that you've just gave that, that exact scene, right? As much as it's the pickup thing that always makes me laugh, the fact that he just kept looking at the fourth wall, even if it was 90 <laughs> degrees away from the actual where we should be facing, it was still looking. It was the fact that him and, him and Smeg, when they were fighting each other, like, it was... It was so funny because Smeg just couldn't get his core like he, he couldn't choreograph it right. So for every right punch it was supposed to take, his head had got wrong way. <laughs> it just couldn't. <laughs> I think we must have done that one about seven or eight times. And in the end, it was just like, well, do you know what? It's, it's funny because it, obviously that's not our fight scene supposed to happen. Yeah. That's just the comedy a- that element to it. And then that's the one that then security showed up. And and they're like, what's going on here? So Mark and me walk up, me as a manager, Mark as a, as a um, senior tech. And we're like, oh, no, you know, we're just doing this thing. We're, we're, we're right, you know, we're just, we're, but we're all good. We came up and dressed as Batman and Robin. I love the fact, <laughs> like, because because obviously. Just to play it down as though it's fine. In them, in them henchmen scene, it, it literally, as people can imagine, it was so funny filming something like this. But we did take it seriously because Cat meant a lot to us. And we wanted to make sure it were right, but yeah. we we did it did pretty much turn into like we were an actual movie production company. Like you guys would be telling me instructions what you wanted. I'd be going off to the extras, Smeg thingy, sort of saying this is what it is. I'm recording it. We'd sort of like giving a give and take. Oh, I don't really like that scene and stuff. But then when security walk in, it instantly stops. There's a panic that hits the room. Like, what the fuck do we say here? It's the slow motion effect of you taking off your mask, but still talking to him wearing your cape. <laughs> and it was it was just the sultry way that Falky just kind of just lifted his Robin one up over his eyebrows. He didn't even take it <laughs> off. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, were, yeah. There, were, there were two things that instantly flashed to me head when we started talking about that. So the... I'll, the last one cracks me up to this day and you'll piss yourself and you probably forgot about it yourself. But the first one though, is when you were saying about we'd catch any sort of second we possibly could just to get recording and whether it were during trade times or not, even on a morning, we'd have figured out if we were going to be doing, trying 
cap, you know, or let's just try and nick an hour today to, to pull so-and-so aside or whatever. And we'd write it into the duties, like we'd make sure there were cover on a Dropbox and screen so we could pull two at lads yeah. away. To, and there were a scene where it were where Batman and Robin were breaching, um, <laughs> were breaching oh, where, where, where the staff swiping, the clocking machine, you were breaching the fire exit doors. And it was like, ah, well, we're going to put this scene together. And I distinctly remember it. There's you, you, Falky, and me having this executive conversation of how we're going to make it flow. You, you're sort of saying, oh, well, you know, it, it could look good as an action point. So obviously to, to be exchanging right here in Corridor. Falky didn't say a word to me. He just instantly, I could feel something burning me. I just looked at him. He makes eye contact with me. He looks up. And we had that ladder system above the clocking system, the red ladder. <laughs> I just looked at you and I'm just like, grapple hook. <laughs> I, obviously, I climbs up there to start getting an aerial shot of what's going off, but it's, there were so many things like that that we did just to try and make it look as, as good as possible. But for me, if ever there were good, like a trailer to it, which I'm, I'm pretty certain you did do a trailer, to be fair, but... Probably. The one for me is Batman and Robin in the Batmobile listening to Proclaimers. <laughs> in my Black Fiat, we get into a Black Fiat Punto, but when we're inside it, it's, it's a Peugeot. Peugeot <laughs> yeah, and it's got obviously it's got Robin driving and Batman singing along to Proclaimers. <laughs> And at one point, singing, a, a, like he's like, oh, you know this song? No, I don't. You'll be right. So I, I didn't even know the song, so I'm just going... That, to this day, yeah, cracks me up. And I suppose reason we went down that journey lane was obviously it's nice to let people know how we come together and stuff. But I think things like that have been lost in in working professions nowadays. I don't think anybody really has that much fun. And it, I don't think it was because of his ages. I just think it's, it was that fun to work there. Yeah. And it's good to do something like that. Like to do something that's creative like that. It's, it's a good escape from everything else, you know, like, and we did it at work and we did it all together, but we all created something together and we all had a bit of input. And it's just to be creative and to do creative things is just, it's, it's an amazing escape from anything. Like I started drawing again um, and it's just, it's awesome. Cause when I'm drawing, I'm just drawing. I'm not doing something else. Like, like when I'm doing dying degree designs and printing shirts, like I'm doing that. I'm not doing something else, nothing else. You know, I'm just doing that for a while. And it's, it's good. It's a good escape. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that obviously on on episode this is where it gets confusing. Obviously, ours is episode three, which would have been done last week. I did I recorded episode yeah. four last night, and let's, we were discussing the same sort of things. They're a band, and we were discussing all sorts of uh, like musical challenges and things like that. But the whole premise of what we ended up discussing was how people in like lockdowns, like if they've not taken something away from this whole pandemic, like this thing that's gone off doesn't like it's not guaranteed that it's going to happen in any given lifetime and we've been as much as it's been really awful there's been genuinely people that's lost family members and stuff but 
if people aren't taking something away from all this and coming out of it a better version of themselves, they've learned a new skill, they've learned something about themselves that they didn't even know they were interested in. If if they haven't done any of that, then what's any of it been for? Like, yeah, yeah. Because there so, is, it's, it's usually, I mean, you know, as well as, as I do, when you're talking about drawing and things like that, how many people do you know within our friend circle who, who also enjoy drawing and creating stuff? But the first yeah. reason they always give is, I just don't have time. <laughs> and it's like, well, you've had you time now. Yeah, you, yeah, you've had time during all this. And if nobody's revisited themselves, the younger version of themselves especially, that's got that little bit of innocence to them that didn't have to deal with the whole bullshit of adulthood, yeah. then I, I don't know what they've been doing. That was the, one of the first things I did when we went into the first lockdown. I, I mean, you were the same as me. I, I was still working throughout lockdowns. Um, so I never stopped working anyway, uh, but I work nights, so I'm quite fortunate. And obviously I'm, I get to just drive around and stuff like that. But as soon as it hit, I was like, do you know what? This is gonna be with us a while now. I need to I need to do something. I've always wanted to do the profession that obviously I'm gonna be training in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm, I'm gonna apply for uni and I'm gonna start doing a mental health degree. I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna start, or, you know, I'm gonna make a difference. But how in the interim, before all that happens, is there a way that I can still give back and help people? And then that is how because Without the lockdown, jukebox jacks w probably wouldn't have been born. To be fair, yeah, it would a simple yeah. conversation between Smeg and me, and it it just grew. And it you you get it from a yeah, you're a musician, but I'd label you as a creative content guy as well because you, you mm. you've 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 all, you made a goddamn biopic about Batman and Robin. You, you've got you know what I mean. You've got that creative nature to you, so. That's where we, me and Smeg, were kind of like, we can we can do some of And the more conversations we're having, there's so many things coming up that we'll be announcing soon that I wouldn't have even thought a million years ago. I never got into it, to, you know, for followers and things like that. But I, I had to put a post because I, I were like genuinely overwhelmed when like we hit a thousand followers on Instagram. And we've done nothing to deserve it in that sense. We're just getting people on. We're all talking about mental health, how it affects people, showing how people may be dealing with stuff that have come from different walks of life, but that everybody can relate to something in somebody else. And if a conversation with you, for instance, if if somebody takes something away from this and it makes them, it pulls them out of a dark place to be, or it makes them think twice, or it gives gives them a purpose and a sense of positiveness behind stuff. And they're sort of like, do you know what? If, if they can do it, I, you know, I used to be good at drawing, so I'm going to do this. They could go on and, and be doing, so if it changes somebody in some way, then it's all been worth it. And that was the whole reason that came about through, through lockdowns. And I, yeah, I just don't understand if, if nobody's taken opportunities like that during lockdowns. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy to think that, but there will be, I guess. There'll be some people like, I don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. Yeah, which don't get me wrong, we're, we're saying we're, we all like binging as, as favorite shows and stuff, but I've found myself more than ever now during these lockdowns because of putting things in place and doing stuff creatively and creating this channel and all the other things in, in background. I will be sat watching some up. But whereas normally I'd just sit there for hours and watch about seven, you know, seven episodes straight off. I'm finding yeah. myself having to 
pause and rewind it because after 10 minutes I've drifted off in my own thoughts about more creative stuff and it's yeah so it's taking me four times as long to watch a a basic fucking series than what I used to do yeah that that for me was one of the coping that that were one of the coping things for me how I managed to get across um so let's pick it up with when you left Cineworld, obviously you said about Nando's and stuff like that, but at what point did you decide to move to Australia or on cards? I came here in 2013. Yeah, 2013. Um, so I met who isn't now, but uh, who wasn't then, but is now Jackson's mum. And we, it's kind of just off the back of, you know, long relationship, long relationship, back to a different one that was from earlier, and it's just relationships just not working. Um, I thought, all right, this is fun. And then, and she was Australian, she is Australian, um, so came to come back so I thought okay cool let's give that a go so just did it just it was literally a matter of why not let's mm. just do it let's just give it a try so I came over here um and I mean that didn't work out um but there's there's Jackson now so that's awesome um and I'm here but it's awesome it's just you know, I've got, I don't really have family here, but um, I'm in a new relationship now and Melissa's just awesome and put up with insane amounts of things, you know, on the, you know, on the back of all the things breaking up and supported like, like you would not believe. Um, I've got some of the closest mates I've ever had that have come through, through music, you know, when, when shit really hit the fan. Dude, now he's like one of my best mates. I could consider him family. Um, but yeah, this this guy who was another singer in, in another band who was a bit of a mate, we talked quite a lot, but you know, he was just a, another singer in another band. I was like, mate, you need somewhere to stay, come stay with me. And just put me up in his place, just gave me a room, three months, just wouldn't take money from me, fed me like a king. Um, and we just, you know, every night we just sit up and just talk shit through and, you know, talk about music and talk about you know, all the bullshit that's going on. And and then, you know, I'm obviously, I don't live with him. I didn't stay sponging <laughs> off my mate. As but... much as it has been tempting with them food, like feasts <laughs> that you're having to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, mate, he's a good cook. Well, this is an awesome cook as well, so... Um, I've been lucky that way. Um, but yeah, so like just the music scene really. Um, the, the, the big thing for me is, you know, the, my, my friends and my people, my band, are like my best mates. We, we're, there. we're a strange collection of people, um, but we're super close and, you know, real good mates. We've got, so much trust in each other to do you know when we're writing and stuff and just yeah it's just good you know i've got amazing people around me here 
Plus, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. It's insane. Yeah, we're going to ask you as well, obviously, when you start talking about that, if um, how like how creative process has been during lockdown. Have you found it more kind of self-reflective? Has it allowed you guys to, I don't know, even maybe go down a different avenue than what you wouldn't necessarily gone down in terms of songwriting and stuff because you, you've got a little bit more time to reflect on stuff or maybe your outlook on life's kind of changed because of COVID? Well, our lockdown was different. So our lockdown were only a couple of months and not a proper lockdown. We couldn't practice. That drove us all crazy. We lost gigs. Um, and my, I've got six. So I, I kind of band manage as well. So I booked most of our gigs. Um, I've got six months of gigs booked in. Um, yeah, everything going great. Ready to release singles. Oh, well, we talked about it. Um, new merch. Right, everything set up. And we pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And we said we were going to do the last gig. We were going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then they said, nah, pubs are going to close. Like, shit. Um, and then we couldn't, couldn't gig. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, slight technical issue. I'm going to try, where possible, to edit this out. So if none of this that I'm saying right now actually makes it into it, Tony will know why, because I've, I've done my genius work of managing to slice two conversations and it actually flowed. But we'll see. We'll see how it works. Um, so let's push on with uh, with music, all things dying degree. Um, those people yeah. have not heard you guys before. Just just yeah, just give us uh, a bit of an intro into who dying degree are, the sort of music, your influences and such. Um, well, we are we call ourselves a punk band. We're not really a punk band, and that's become a joke, and that's kind of worked its way into our. Um, merch and logos and stuff that we're not really punk but we so obviously I don't know how much of the previous thing we, we might lose but basically when I came to Australia I had no family and, and this and that um, and I made friends through music um, obviously I was in bands back in England but we didn't gig to the level that I gig now um, and I just missed it I wanted to do it so um, looked on Facebook, found some stuff going on, joined what was initially going to be a cover band playing like um, No Effects and Bad Religion and Strung Out songs. Um, never really happened that way. Um, excuse me. Um, got uh, <laughs> my mate Kyle, who, um, who works at the winery with me. Um, genius guitarist. I decided that I'm going to play guitar, useless guitarist. Kyle's going to play bass. So Kyle played bass initially. We got our mate Ross um, playing guitar. Um, so two okay guitarists playing guitar. Awesome guitarist playing bass. Then I realised that playing and singing was not me. So we got our mate Tom in, awesome guitarist. We never did anything. We couldn't find a drummer. That all went to shit. Um, and then Kyle and me started this new project that was supposed to be like a punk project. Kyle doesn't listen to punk. Um, but the kind of conversations we've had with that, let's do a punk man. So Kyle writes this song. It's now the first song in our set. It's called Vibe. Um, it's just this blasty song that's just powers through. Um, and we started working on that. 
So then we, you know, we reached out, finding a drummer's the hardest part, got Matt involved. That all worked out. Ross played bass for a while and then he went back to the UK. We got Nick in, organs blazing, playing every other week. Um, initially, we take whatever we could get, um, playing Wednesday nights in you know, venues that on a weekend are like R&B clubs and stuff, but on a Wednesday <laughs> night, there's nobody there, so you can do um, And then, yeah, and then we just kind of just really just got into the whole scene and the, the kind of heavy music scene in Perth's really good, um, particularly the metal scene. It's real close and, and there's a lot of support there. So we just really, we thought, okay, cool. We're just going to really hit the metal scene and gig a lot and, and really got into it. And then it's kind of, I don't think we realised initially what it all, what it meant to us all. I think that's the thing. Like, it because it happened the way it did, you know, we just built on it and built on it and then gigged and loved gigging and, and stuff. I don't think we realised what we get from it and what it kind of the kind of escape and release that it gives us so yeah yeah um we're we we're a heavy kind of hardcore band i guess um lyrically we kind of it just i just write about stuff that happens so i think more so we just released a song called gatai gatai is about um it's about people coming together and, you know, where, you know, there's always people that are going to tear something down just for the sake of it. But um, if you stand together as a scene and people who are, you know, like-minded and come together, you don't have to be a disruptive prick. You can just all come together and help each other and be part of something. Yeah. Um, and that's what Gatai is about. So Gatai is a Japanese word that means it's um it means to kind of come together or combine. It's literally the word that they use for, you know, the robots that build all together to make a big robot. Kyle's a total weeb. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a working title. And I just thought it was cool. So we kept the working title. I have um, to say the uh, the merch yeah, that you've been working on at minute, that's, it, that's pretty dope, to be fair. Yeah, thanks, mate. So... Kyle, Kyle drew it. So he, he drew, you know, the, the whole thing. And I do some designy stuff to, to kind of make it t-shirtable, if that makes sense, just so that it makes sense to, to print. Yeah. Um, and then I taught myself how to screen print. So I screen print it all in my flat. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so it all, it's all like 100% DIY. Um, but it means that we can sell it cheap. That's the main thing. Um, like bands in Perth, they're going to charge like $25 to, you know, for a t-shirt, $35 for a t-shirt. They're going to charge $60 for a, a hoodie. We're charging 30 for a hoodie with a front and back print. That's dope. And like, and t-shirts with front and back print for $15. So it's just makes more sense. It means that people can get behind it. We can get our logos on people. Yeah, because obviously, when you're talking about, obviously, we're both in the same boat with music and things like that. Like there, is, there is at times you, you might like merchandise from your bands that you like sporting and things like that. But 
they're, they're extortionate. But th- there is reasons why those bands have to charge what they charge. There's certain overheads they've got to cover, but uh, wherever possible, from obviously a band where you guys are at at the minute, even as people know, obviously what me and Smeg are working on uh, merchandise for Jukebox Jack's brand. Um, if the cost is as low as possible, because no one, a lot of people get confused where they think, oh, yeah, it is it is a source of extra profit for the band, but that's not the main premise why they do it. They want to get themselves out there. They want more people to, even if yeah. it's someone got into the band because they liked the design of it. Oh, that T-shirt looks nice. Oh, who, who a dying degree. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if it reaches someone that way, it's bridging that gap again about different interests and such. Somebody who just likes the design has ended oh. up being one of the biggest fans you've got because it turns out, holy shit, they actually write the like the sort of music that I like as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And it's just what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me know if that's my assignment. My assignment's been. <laughs> Docker I sent about six months ago to my printer and it's it doesn't appear on the printer trail or anything, but it could rock up there. It might it might, it might be that mate. Oh, 17 good. pages if uh, if it's there. So yeah, post it out to me. <laughs> um but yeah, and that's it. So we um uh, and it's just cool to do, like I said, just to do creative things. Like um particularly, you know, like Kyle and me are very into that, you know, we're into creativity and and art and it's cool that now we're we're kind of collabing a little bit you know where he'll chuck some uh some drawings up and then i get to play around with it and you know bring some kind of design stuff into it it turned like as it happens he's a sick designer as well so um between the two of us we we kind of really kind of step that up a bit it's it's good tapes of fun well it's it's quite funny because obviously i mean we you and me have been having so many com- like conversations recently, but the, the one night we were having a conversation, I'm saying one night, it one night for me, um, it was probably middle of the day for you. you. You know, I'm still adjusting. I can't, still can't manage to tie an exact yeah. time down for you. Um, we we're having a conversation about merchandise and stuff like that. And it's quite interesting how you described how it is for you two, because that's, I would word for word would probably say that is how it is with me and Smeg. Like we, we just, we're having conversations about merchandise and stuff, but we're already on the same wavelength with stuff. And then one of us will then come up with something else that the other one didn't think about, but then it allows the other person then to be sort of like, Oh, hang on. Well, let's build on what you've just thought there and do that. And then it ends up turning into summer that probably didn't even look like it did to start with, but actually looks amazing afterwards. So I get what you mean. It's always nice when you've got someone to share that kind of relationship with that creative relationship. Yeah, totally. And Kyle gets it as well. Like he <laughs> he knows that you know when we started, you you just draw stuff. But then you got to remember we print on black t-shirts in white print, so you got to bear that in mind. You got to think about how black's gonna look, how white's gonna look on black. So now Kyle, you know, he'll design draw white on black, and then he knows as well that I'm going to distress images because it helps me when I'm printing. Uh, if I throw this, I mean, so this is a custom uh, print. So this design isn't actually available on hoodies. Um, 
but our friend Nola, um, who comes to see us, and then her husband Brett, well, her man Brett. Um, <laughs> so she wanted she wanted this design on a hoodie, so we did a one-off for her. But you can see, like, there's a distressed look to that print. Yep, yep. Um, that looks sweet. And we use that all the time because it just gives us a bit of leeway. Yeah. So now that's kind of built into designs. Like, I mean, I, I put the distressed stuff on, um, but it it just helps us. It means that we get, it means that I can print more and I get more, more of a hit rate. So since we've been doing this design, um, with, uh, with this beautifulness, um, since we've been doing that one, we've had no misprints at all. So stoked. We've it's come a long way. Creatively as well. It's like it's it's the way that it, it's kind of like it's improving your skills along the way as well. Like the stuff I'm learning from Smeg, because obviously Smeg's a he's a graphic designer. Um but it's it, it's also quite humbling as somebody who I'm not from that background. I used to draw half decent when I was younger, but I've always I've had that creative mindset so I can kind of adapt. And, and implement stuff so it's nice at times when i'll send stuff across to smeg of what i've in my head what i've already designed and stuff and then he'll come back saying i i don't feel i need to do it on that mate that's completely spot on as it is like leave it as it is and i'll be yeah. sort of like are you sure yeah. like because he's teaching me things like negative space and and i'm like what, what the hell's negative space and he's teaching me all yeah. things like that and I wouldn't have had any of that unless I were collaborating with him and he, he don't have to do any of yeah. that stuff. It's like, he, he's not getting any gain out of doing it. He's, he's on board just for the fact that he likes what I'm trying to do with this and, and it helps us come together. But yeah, I, I don't think I'd be able to get half as far as I have creating the stuff ready for merchandise if it, if it weren't for him. So it's always nice when you have got someone else that, that just gets it and that can help you a long way. So I understand yeah. what you mean with merchandise, but that that might be somewhat where we end up having to go down because at minute we we try to secure a shop on um, Shopify. I was going to say Spotify. I was going to say Spotify then Shopify. <laughs> um, and to be fair, the, the you know the basic plans that they've got over there and stuff they're, they're not too bad. It works out between me and Smeg share, and it's like eleven pound each a month. And I didn't even realize mm. there's loads of stuff that on there that the as part of your basic plan you, you can offer gift cards and stuff like that and i were like i never even thought about gift cards but it's still the same premise of what we're doing with with the brand that it's our you tech because obviously you, it's not drop shipping it's printing on demand that they do so as soon as someone likes yeah. products they they click it it goes into cart whoever's responsible for printing it for you or designing it they get it done it gets posted out to people their money comes off and then whatever you've set as your profit comes back. But the yeah. profit itself is very minimal, but 75% of that straight away gets donated to mental health yeah. charities. And then whatever else is left at 25% then gets cut between me and Smeg. So if you're talking, I don't know, on a t-shirt, we might be getting, yeah, we might be getting two point two pound summer to share between us. So we yeah. get a quid each on, a 15 quid t-shirt yeah. so we are looking down avenues obviously that will like back to the well the whole point of this ramble that i'm on was that conversation i'm having with you where smeg were talking about buying a printing machine and things like that so yeah and that's that is an avenue where we will end up going down 
I could just see my house being full of boxes of fucking t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Is that pretty much how yours is? No, I, because the whole point for us is that we wanted to do that. So we, we pretty much print on demand. I make sure that we've got gear to take to gigs with us. Yep. But I just make sure that we've got just enough for a gig. That's all we hold. And then if somebody asks for one or someone orders one in the bank account, then if it's not something that I'm holding, then I'll just I just go to Kmart, pick up a shirt and and print one up. So we that's part of why we can stay cheap because we hold no stock. So it, it works. It's just you got to put the time in. I reckon it probably took me a year until I, I could actually, you know, I was happy that we were charging money for shirts. I've given a lot of shirts away at gigs because yeah. kind of just, yeah. just like, ah, I just couldn't, didn't feel like charging money for them. Like these new ones that we've got now, like, yeah, love them. And the other one as well with the, you know, the skull and the not really punk, like that, that's a cool shirt as well that I'm really proud of. Yeah. Um, yeah. My shirt's still not here yet. Just to update. I don't know where. I don't know where. No, no, going. I got it back. Cause I didn't you got it back. It. I, I've got it back. <laughs> oh, mate, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. I didn't sign a custom slip. Oh, you got signed custom slip. So it could have been like knives or drugs or something. So. Ah. Uh, see that now that makes sense then. That makes sense. But I mean, this is, this is one avenues that me and me and Smeg have been going down where we're obviously. I'm using print-on-demand services who are based in the UK. I mean, for two parts, because I want to give back and use local businesses, but also yeah. on top of it, I don't want to have to go down the avenues of taxes and stuff, and, and that being added on top of people who are then mm-hmm. buying this stuff. And yeah. it's, just, it's, it's going to impact the sales. Like People are going to be less likely to pay for some if it's 15 quid for a T-shirt, but yet yeah, they're having to pay a tenner in postage. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's why we've yeah. we've gone down that avenue of using local dropshippers because it's like whatever I think one of the things is like three pounds somewhat for yeah. postage to anywhere. Well, that's it, and it's it's worth it, and it's fun, and it's nice to have merch. That's the thing; it's just nice to have merch. It's awesome to show up, play a gig, and to have merch there to sell. It does a lot for your image, and you know, it's just it's just fun. It's just a fun thing to do. It's, you know, we make nothing. It gives as well, obviously, from my own experience, when you go into your local gigs and stuff, and you, you can't, in my opinion, you can't ever say you're at a local gig unless you're at the gig and then in, you know, intermissions or whatever, in between different sets, different bands coming on, everybody's huddled round a wallpaper pasting table that's got T-shirts on and that's got stickers on and pin yeah. badges that's got, you know... yeah back in the day cds and stuff like that like that that's the whole point of a gig and at, at them tables as well it allows you time to interact with bands who you've who you've literally paid money yeah. to come and see and support like and get to know them and yeah. build this community around your bands because it's not it's never just about getting out there and doing it for your own gains you, you actually you care about the fans that are listening to you and you you are listening you know what i mean you're listening to the feedback that they're giving and 
how they felt when they listened to your song, even though you've never met them before, but somehow you've condensed their yes. entire life into a song that you wrote by never meeting them. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then that's it. And then, and that's, that's the whole thing. It brings everything back to songs and music and how they, you know, and how people react and how they react when you play it live. And, you know, if you, make enough impact on someone and then they want to spend whatever 15 bucks on a t-shirt then i'm stoked that's awesome that's i'll um I'll, I'll ask you a question that i asked um the lads um on recording sorry just bear with me a second i'm uh, doing some technical stuff at the same time the uh the previous part one recording that we did it's finished encoding it just popped up saying it's in the file ah. i'm like get off the screen i nice. can't see can't see westwood's face um yeah, the we were talking last night about the music industry and you know where it's at and how it's going to come back and things that need to change and stuff like that. But we also talked about the importance of of music and mental health and a lot of people that don't seem that kind of bothered that it's in the situation that it's in and that it's it's quite sad because you've got a lot of venues that have closed that are never going to reopen again. Um, as it stands at minute, maybe down the line the will, but and then but you've also got a lot of musicians that have they've just given up in that sense. And it's I hate saying it in that way because there's a lot that goes into someone's decision of if they're going to continue or not. I'm not disregarding the reasons that they do it, but point being, there's so many people now that's that have stopped the path they were on because of what's happened with the pandemic and stuff. But without music, you don't have anything like. You've you've got a song that someone will hear, and it takes them back to a funeral of a loved one, or yeah. first first dances at weddings, without music. Where, where's that? Yeah, yeah. And we were saying last yeah. night that, I mean, my personal opinion on it is like I think in terms of you've got like your your music industry, your executive sort of like production labels and stuff like that. Like I believe. And I'm not saying all the time they should be doing it, same as what I said on last episode. But I think because of what's going off with pandemic, they should be reinvesting, kind of like what what most countries do with like grassroots sports, investing in children facilities to allow them to move. They should be doing that for the music industry as well. Yeah, arts arts comes last. Just it does here in Australia, it does in the UK. Um, do you ever wonder why, like, there's so many awesome bands, as in, like, band bands, that come out of Sweden? Have you ever noticed that? Some killer yeah. punk bands, some awesome yeah. metal bands. Uh, you know, I guess, obvious with Mill and Colin and, and Flames. So, Sweden, I don't know if they still do, but they did. They invest in bands and um, resources for bands. So they push it out like to the community. So there's spaces where bands can rehearse. And if they don't have instruments, then there's instruments that they can use. And then you get these killer bands that come and rise up from, you know, and they go out into the world and they just kill it. Can you imagine the amount of bands that are doing well in Sweden that are Swedish that just didn't get out? Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean they're not successful, but they're still there. And it's a huge, huge thing. But you know the arts just it, you are you are right what you're saying as well it's it's the arts part isn't it like you're saying like yeah. i was i was watching um 
documentary. I think it will during first part of the lockdown, like the first lockdown in UK. There were one on, and I think it won Sky Arts Channel or something like that. And they were talking to musicians, and one of the musicians was Damon Alburn, um, obviously from Blur and Gorillas. And he was saying the same sort of topics what we're talking about here. How there's there's no subsequent funding going into helping new, you know, the next generation of musicians come up. You know, if we're not careful, there's not going to be no. venues for them to play, rehearsal spaces. And unfortunately, it's because the stigmatized view by a lot of nonsensical people where they're kind of like, if you work within the arts industry, and unfortunately at times, music and musical acts are combined into that, which I don't think they should be. I think they're two separate things. But because you're, you'd labeled as being in the arts, you're seen as in a quite privileged profession. Like you're lucky to have even got where you are kind of thing. So stop whinging, you know. Yeah. So what, you, you can't be in a band, get a proper job and pay your bills that way. And it's like, you know, what, what do you mean a proper job? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's them sort and of nonsensical approaches. And yeah, it's them sort of reasons why there isn't the investment, I think, because it's, it's deemed wrongly. It's de- deemed, like I say, as you've got to be quite well off, well fortunate, come from a good family, you've been paid to go through music tuition go to your lessons and things like that you know even bought yeah. instruments by your parents it's not always the case people like yourself me how many times have you just sat there and you saved your pocket money up to buy like the the most horriblest electric uh, electroacoustic guitar ever demolished every one of your strings within first hour but you still try to put something together and yeah finger cramps finger blisters everything that's it. But you can't, and the people that oppose it tend to be, they tend to be the ones with that, you know, it's big business and it's, you know, people that, that kind of money goes back into that, that funds political parties and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's super twisted, mate, but, but it is, that's what happens. You know, it's like over here, um, the, um, uni that melissa goes to she just she was the, in the last um of the the theater lot so she just finished like top of the theater um uh everything but that's the last of it there's no more so it doesn't matter how well she did like she can't go back there and, and further that because it's just done mm. because but then things like engineering and this and that, that gets more and more money put in because that leads, that pays for you know, the mines, basically. Yeah. So and all go, the money comes in from the mines and then it goes back out and it, it goes that way. And it, it's frustrating, but it just kind of is what it is. And we, like for us, like dying degree, we just, we just look at it and think, okay, so now what, now what do we do? You know, a venue closes down, we'll do everything we can to try and help them out beforehand, but then we just look at it and like, cool, so now what do we do? Like, we can't make money off of making music, but we want to make music, so we do make music, and then we'll print T-shirts. Yeah. We can't make money off T-shirts because we, we can't charge 60 bucks for a hoodie. How do we do that? We learn how to print our own. So it means that we're not making mad bank, but our profit margins are good. 
So our profit margins are over 100%. Still doesn't mean we're making a heap of money because we, you know, we still got to rent a practice room. You know, we've got a yeah. permanent rent on a practice room. We've got to pay that no matter what. So doing these things still doesn't mean we make money, but it just means that we get a bit coming back. And it means we can fund the hobby. And we can only consider it a hobby because you just can't. Like, the way that things are, like, we can complain about it and we can piss and moan, but the way that things are, for the most part, if you're a musician of some kind, you're probably just going to have to work a second job, just the way that things are. Or you're going to have to have a job and um, music be your, your hobby or your second job. For us, we don't make enough money off it to, to call it a second job, so it's a hobby. And I think as well, it's that's why it's important within not just the music industry, but I suppose well in, in every circle, like in terms of, of me or what I'm doing and stuff like that. It's it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people that are that are gonna support you through things, uh, whether it's other bands, um oh. even like I, I can't even tell you, I've got so many people who, who I'm in contact with who, who also do their own podcast shows, some of them that aren't to do with mental health, some that are. Um, there's literally, the, there's a group of lads, uh, Scott and Mitch, the, they're in London. Um, shout out to uh, Midnight High Podcast. Uh, catch them on uh, Spotify if you get a chance. Um, they, they started their podcast up the same way I did in that sense, just during lockdowns as a way of coping with lockdown for themselves. And it's kind of grown into what it is. You've got another guy, I'd, I'd put a post on Jukebox Jack's um, Instagram channel yesterday, I think it was. Um, Taylor James, uh, he's got his own uh, podcast show as well, what, uh, the Waffle Shop podcast, and he specifically talks about mental health. And literally, I've got them coming up at some point being guests, uh, both of them. Um, I'd, I'd have never met them if it weren't for the fact that I started going on this journey. But already we we we've struck up this rapport. We're, we we're actually we're friends apart from you know just people mm. who've got an actual interest. And it's same for you guys. We're dying degree surrounding yourself with other musicians who you might you know you you place where you're rehearsing and things like that. It might just drop off. But then one of the other musicians who you've worked with, or you know you've supported, they've supported you, kind of thing. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, we've we've actually got a slot at this rental space that we use. If you didn't build them relationships, yeah. you weren't able to kind of continue the growth of what you try to do. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you talk about, um, you know, different people and doing mental health um, podcasts and stuff. And one of the things that, so a lot of, a lot of what kind of lyrically, there's a lot of mental health stuff um, in Dying Degree that, that I write because it's a lot of, I just get heaps out of it, and I, and I dump as well. I'm a, I'm a writer that just dumps. I have no idea. Don't go into a song with any idea of what I'm going to do. I sit down. I don't write until we've jammed the song so many times. I've been known to, we've been known to play gigs, and I've had no lyrics, and I've just jibber-jabbered as a way to just find melody. Yeah. And then once I've found the melody, then that's it. Then I sit down figure out what the song's about like there might be a word here and there um but there's but mental health quite a lot of it one of the things that that kind of made me realize that that was kind of all right and and just a, I mean the first couple i mean run the other single 
like that's super deep that's all like but that one just kind of fell out i didn't really think about it too much um but then kind of on the back of that there are a lot of guys in bands that obviously at the minute they're not out on tour but like you know big bands people that i look up to that are using it and using their platform to talk about mental health yeah um people like you know one of my biggest idols jesse leach from kill such engage like he speaks so openly on instagram just about just how he is and fucked up stuff that happens and he's just started a podcast um that i've been listening to called stoke the uh, stoke the fire with an english dude actually and it's awesome Um it's on my so list good. that as well. I listen to that. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't yeah. come as a surprise. Good, hey, shouldn't come as a surprise. Yeah. Um, um, do you do you listen to Bury Tomorrow? I know they're on. Uh, yeah. They're on the. Um, yeah. I love Bury Tomorrow. I've done for a long time. And Dan Winterbates does um, Sunday Safe Space every Sunday where yeah. he talks. He gets someone in and talks to them. And that's awesome. And that's that is the power of, and I think it, it's I think it's always been the case. I think that's why I've resonated with music as much. Uh, I used to struggle to communicate uh, communicate how I felt when I was younger, how to articulate how what I was thinking. But I'd listen to a song, I'd listen to the lyrics, and it was as if that song were written for exactly what I was thinking, even though it could have been written twenty five years ago. Um, mm. And I think it's always been important because of my two loves of music and mental health conditions illnesses of bridging that gap and, and putting them both together and it's amazing to see so many musicians at the minute speaking out. and from a from a stigma standpoint specifically males because not enough males talk about how they feel you know from obviously that episode i recently did with mark jones the struggles you know mm-hmm. you, you know mark as well as i do and you'd have never thought he'd, he'd been going through what he'd been going through because, you know, everyday life, it's such an outgoing person, always laughing. First time we were saying, oh, you know, we're going for beers, first one there. Um, guys just don't, and we're getting better as a, you know, as a population guy, we're getting better about talking yeah. about things. But there's still a lot of stigma involved and not just, we're not just talking, you know, depression, suicide, we're talking eating disorders as well, anorexia, bulimia, Freddie Flintoff, obviously, started talking recently about his struggles with bulimia and and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think it's important that we're, yeah, in the first point, because I'm a guy doing, obviously, a podcast, in the first instance, guys especially need to be better at speaking out about how they're feeling, confiding in your friends, your family, sometimes even strangers, but... Just the the entire world, the movement that we're on, you know, women, young children, young ch- young children, especially because of obviously the lockdowns, how it's affected them. Everybody needs to get better about talking and opening up. But it's all about them circles around you. If you're not in that place oh, or you don't have the support is, around you to yeah. talk about it, yeah. then you're doomed. You're yeah. actually you're gonna love the I know you you avidly listen to so obviously each episode those are getting done and stuff but you're going to love next week's because there's a guy uh felix is the lead singer of old selves band um check them out on spotify the the brilliant the the very musically and lyrically very much like 
uh, dying degree, to be fair. Uh, but Felix is an actual active mental health nurse. That's his profession. But yeah, you wouldn't think when you meet him and you talk to him because of yeah. the sort of music that he does and things like that. But yeah, yeah, I think you as a songwriter, your processes you go through, I think you'll, yeah, you'll you'll take a lot out of that conversation that I'll be having with him. And I'll obviously, he'll have listened to this episode by then. So he, he'll straight away, he'll, he'll probably be like, no, I checked, I checked it out. And yeah, very much agree with what Tony was saying. Yes. There's um, so something that that we've been lucky. Like it's funny when you talked about you know kids and and having kids in this circle. Um, so we we've been lucky enough to be involved in uh, and um, a, a bunch of uh, all ages shows yep. that have been going on pretty often. So um, our brother Ursh, he's a legend, um, and Kelvin's involved as well. Um, and he started, he put on a, a, a monthly all ages show. Um, and we get, you know, a bunch of teenagers out. It's awesome. It's so good. I, and, you know, I mean, you might have seen, you would have seen the video of um, us getting young Colt on stage. And, you know, he's like seven. That guy, I tell you, what, what a little legend. I love watching videos so of him. So good. So good. Like props to his dad's cat, to his dad Cam for, for getting his lads out and, and letting them experience it and, and encouraging them to be like fully involved, you know. Like Colt was a bit nervous at, at the start, but now he's my buddy. Like when we whenever we play <laughs> we get out, or if I get out of one, um and he's there, you know, he's my he's my buddy, and I made him a t-shirt up. And um, but one of the things particularly we I usually get a 30 seconds or whatever before we play play run um and because runs quite it's not ambiguous at all like it's straight up it's about struggling with mental health but coming through and the song works that way you know it trudges and trudges and trudges and it ends quite heavy um but by the end it's all pretty positive yeah um and i usually get a bit of chance to talk there and I never, I don't, I'm not someone who plans stage pattern. But when we play these ones, I found myself getting this, just taking this opportunity to talk to these, these teenagers and these younger, you know, these, they're not kids, but like younger folk who are super passionate about what they're seeing, you know, mad circle pits and what the most respectful circle pits you've ever seen. If there's kids, like smaller kids, then the circle pits over here and they know, they know where the kids are and they're, they're an awesome bunch. But yeah, I find myself like just talking and saying, look, this is a song about you know, just accepting your mental health and knowing where you are and realizing where you are. The most important thing is that we're all here. You know, we're all here in this room and that these are the people that can get you through it and that these are the people and the way to get through it is to talk and you don't have to, you don't have to talk about what's going on. You don't have to say, man, I feel shit. Man, I'm confused. Man, I'm suicidal. Like anything. You just have to talk to someone. So you have to do things like this. You need to, if this is your catalyst to get together with your friends, if that's music, then use music to be that. And yeah. use music to be that. Mate, what are we doing? Let's go see a band, you know? Let's go do this, do that. Let's have conversations. And when you're having conversations, you feel better, whether you're talking about your actual problem or not. 
just because you know that your mates are there. And chances are something's going to come up and something's going to relate, something's going to cross over. And even if it's subconscious, there's going to be something that's going to just twig and it's just going to make you feel better because you've made it, you've made a connection. And when you make personal human connections, you feel less shit, you feel less lonely. If you feel lonely, you're fucked. You, know, you need to open yourself up to not be lonely. So, and that's, and it just, and that's it. Like I just ranted. And that's the kind of shit that comes out like on a microphone when I'm talking to these teenagers. And it's awesome. It's so awesome. This, and they this. stand there and they listen, man. Like they listen and they get excited. And then we kick the song off and they lose their shit. And it's, it's cool, man. It's awesome. See, these are these are examples of, of the things that we sort of we're talking about. Um, just like, for instance, obviously, how passionate you were when you were talking about it. You can see that it means a lot to you that you're, yeah, for your own, there is, you know, for your own development and your own growth as a person, but that you're giving back in that way and you're helping the next generation to, to learn from mistakes you might have made yourself coping mechanisms that you've put in place that worked for you might not work for others but it might help a few people that's in that crowd and if it helps one of them then it will all worth it so i'd i'm one of those advocates where someone you know like you just did there where you're having a conversation and you're like oh, i just i just that whole that's what that whole rant were about there rants are good you, you can't you can't rant if you're not talking and if people are not talking this is this is where it's all dangerous so I am one of the first advocates and one of the first people to sort of sit there and say that I will sit and listen to every, anybody and everybody, you know, inverted commas, run as much as they want because yeah. I guarantee 100% of the time I'll be sat there with a smirk on my face because I'm agreeing with every single word that they're saying and yes. it, it were no different than when you, when you were saying all those things out. It was just, I was super proud to be hearing it coming from you and I think a lot of people just like a lot of us guests on here that a lot of people are going to be able to sort of like relate to, to what you were just saying there and coming from somebody who was in a band, it was some people, you know, whether we'd like to say we are or not, some people will see us, you know, you're successful, you, you're in a band, got a family of your own, you live on the other side of the world from, you know, where you were when you were a kid. Well, you know, people will look up to us in that way. So it's important that we give back wherever possible, even through conversations. Um, mm. Man, I suppose we should wrap this conversation up, but we're, we're going to stay. We're going to stay on. Uh, as soon as we go off air, we'll be here for a fair few hours yet anyway. Um, yeah, I'm dying for the piss, actually, so I'm glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. This is a problem with drinking while we're recording. We should get, like, I don't know, oh, catheters and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's got a switch back to beer. It's still, still beer time. Um, yeah, to close us out, um, just um, yeah, just give us uh, for those um, those people listening because it's hard at times. People are watching and people are listening. So those people that's watching, firstly on YouTube, but as you've seen throughout the episode, just like normal, we've got lots of social media adverts coming up uh, throughout. So obviously, dying degrees information's all there. Bandcamp, Spotify. Uh, things like that but yeah tony just let um just let those people listening know where they can catch dying degree um content etc yeah so jump on facebook search dying degree the band um and you'll find us uh, that url is like facebook.com slash uh dying degree the band 
Um, on Instagram, again, dying.degree. Um, Bandcamp, but just find Bandcamp through everything else. That's where you're gonna, um, that's where you can download stuff for free and um, buy merch. Uh, Spotify, jump on Spotify. We've got a new single out that came out just a couple of weeks ago called Gatai. G-A-T-T-A-I. Um, cool kind of groovy hardcore song. Um, and you'll find a song called Run on there as well, which is probably kind of our shining mental health song, I suppose, because people know it. Um, so yeah, jump on there and have a listen and just let us know. Like if you'd listen to it, it'd be awesome. You can let us know that you've listened and whether you're all like, mate, I can't understand this. It's all rah, rah, rah. I get that every day. So, but it'd be nice to hear that you'd even had a listen. And if you are, if it actually, if you actually dig it and even better, just let us know. We'd love it. Tony, man. Um, I've loved you being on, man. I could see, I knew going into this, this was going to be one of these episodes where it could quite easily go five hours. I just, I just know for a while. Um, I'll say the same thing to you, what I've said to other people. The uh, My whole premise when I first started this is um, I'm going to be revisiting guests further down the line. So it's not going to be the, uh, yes. the one and only episode with Dying Degree. Um, there's going to be multiple ones. We can maybe get the other guys involved next time as well to join you. We'll, we'll end up doing a solo one away from dying degree, you know, your own personal struggles and such uh, where we can discuss and people might be able to, but we'll, uh, we'll be definitely be doing a few of these, buddy. but I appreciate oh, your time. I know you've pretty much blocked out two weeks solid for me now <laughs> to try and tie this <laughs> down. Um, but yeah, man, I love you. It's been awesome to catch up and uh, awesome. yeah, we'll, we'll say bye to everybody and then uh, we'll have us after party drinks. So, yeah. Cheers, guys. Don't forget, live life, be kind, and give back.